get myself a Lincoln Got me plotting, got me plotting, got me thinking, got me thinking How can I come up and get myself a Lincoln out of Continental? Hey, this is Tony Boss Bowling coming to you from the Lincoln Attic Podcast. Hey, hey, it's Jason ODB, the Lincoln Addict, and here back with episode 15. Thanks for everyone that's continued to tune in and want to remind everyone that this podcast is brought to you by a few of the fine folks out there and companies, including Devious Customs. You can visit Devious Customs, just how it sounds.com, and order on their website, whether you're looking for custom suspension components or other items. Uh, Jeff and team continue to expand their lineup. They even have some dash pieces for the 64, 65 Lincolns. They even have window switch upgrades for certain year cars. So let's say you buy a car, all the switches are bad. You're going to have to end up sending those in typically to get rebuilt if you want to just go with a modern type switch and potentially save some money depending on your situation. Just visit DeviousCustoms.com. Oh, by the way, the website's been recently refreshed. Great user interface, super simple. Also, Colorado Custom Wheels. Visit coloradocustom.com and check out the Lincoln replica wheels that they produce. They make them in pretty much any size that you want, and they uh, they specifically look like the original hubcaps. The great news is, as many of you know, the original uh, Lincoln hubcaps were really set up to work with the bias ply tire. So when you run a radial, uh, many of you will end up with lost hubcaps, and especially if you get them polished, they look cool but they go flying off. Trust me, I know. I recently lost one that was polished. So go to coloradocustom.com. You can look them up on Instagram as well. The Colorado Custom and Michael and team will take care of you. Last, but certainly not least, steel rubber. If you're into these 60 Lincolns or many other hot rods, you know the name steel rubber. Visit steelrubber.com. You can scroll down and select the year, make, and model of your vehicle. And they will mail out for free an individual catalog, if you will, that literally will give you everything you need to know about those pieces that you need for your car. I always suggest make a little spreadsheet in Excel or Google uh, Sheets. And then that way you can have a column for your part number, your price and specifics uh, that you want to add there. And then chip away at the list, order when you can. Uh, if 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 possible, order everything at once. That way you have it and you can just start replacing it at your leisure. They also have a lot of videos, I think, on their YouTube channel on how to do these type of installs. So Steel Rubber Products, it's steelrubber.com. Okay, so again, did not make you guys wait too much longer. Already plugging away on episode 16, but uh, thanks again for everybody that came back, continues to listen. Also, check out our YouTube channel. I did just upload, I had three videos that I made some months ago and uh, really had wanted to stitch those together and just, you know, haven't had the time to do some of the video work I was doing for a while. I kind of ended up changing careers and, you know, just got super busy with work. I mean, it doesn't leave a lot of time. uh, Same thing with many of you. Uh, We're just, you know, kind of get up every day, go to work, do the family thing, all of that. So, uh, carving out time is, uh, you know, not the easiest thing as you get older, as many of you know. So again, thanks for always listening here and checking out our YouTube channel. Uh, you can spread the word. Um, if you're on Apple, uh, an Apple device, as many of you are, you can hit, uh, 
the share button, or typically it's like the triple dots. And then once you share it, you can uh, text that to a friend, maybe a friend, family member that are into these cars, or, or uh, you know maybe a buddy that's looking at buying one. Uh, by all means, you know share it. And um, you know the more you share, the more we're going to grow. And then of course, if you're on an Apple device, uh, go to the podcast app. It's that pre-installed app. Uh, tap on library, uh, select Lincoln Addict, and then scroll all the way down. It's not too far to scroll because you know we're only on episode 15. You're going to scroll down, and then you can uh, rate. Uh, hopefully a five-star rating. It'll say submitted. Thanks for the feedback. And then you can even uh, tap right there on um, write a review. And you can uh, go ahead and write a review. And then what I'll start doing here on the next episode is any reviews that we've had up until this point, I'll go through and read those. If you leave one and you want your name or Instagram account there and you know a little shout out, by all means, I'll definitely do that. So uh, check that out. And, um, you know, spend a little bit of time if you can do that. Uh, much appreciated. All right. So the, kind of the recap of episode 14, which I always like to do, is uh, we had uh, my, my friend, my, my ratty friend, Rusty Wall, from the Raddies. And the Raddies is just kind of, if you listened, he explained it. It's just a group of friends that get together. And, uh, man, they arguably have the biggest kind of cruises and hangouts, kind of unofficial. Then they kind of do some of the official stuff that he was talking about. But got to tip the cap to our friends over at The Raddies. You can follow them on Instagram. It's just The, R-A-T-T-Y-S, as we mentioned. So go out there and do that. If you want merchandise, send them a direct message. They also have that closed uh, non-public group on Facebook. And I think last I checked, it's about nearing 400 of uh, us Raddies in there. So uh, we like to talk about cars, of course, Lincolns, and all kinds of cool stuff. Now, in this episode, you saw more than likely the cover art, which I kind of put that together for each episode, and there's a guy named Frank. So I don't want to give away his whole story, but the title of this episode ties into his Instagram name. Uh, Some of you are probably following him just because, you know, if you're on Instagram and you like Lincolns and boom, you know, you're probably going to be following some of those kind of key guys that that post stuff, right? Content that you like. And if you're not, once you listen to his um, uh, interview, highly suggest you go out there and follow him. He's a great guy. He's up in Canada. Again, don't want to give away all of, um, of his story. We'll let him do that. Now, on this episode, I'll also kind of just cover the normal stuff. Of course, uh, what I call Lincoln Life updates, uh, cars, uh, any cars or parts for sale. Uh, Lincoln's in the movies, and then any uh, Project Smugglers Blues updates, which I do have a couple. And then we'll give a shout-out here just for a random individual or uh, maybe a a shop or a company. So uh, Lincoln Life updates, really, I didn't save a lot um, here. You know, typically on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, you know, I'll see stuff throughout the week, uh, weeks and or months, as we've kind of come to realize lately, and... um, Really, that's that. You know, there's just not a lot that that I that I, I caught my eye. I should say, uh, one thing that I continue to see is just more stories about the Lincoln Continental. And uh, what's kind of amazed me is, you know, always on eBay, always on Facebook Marketplace, just looking at stuff. And I've seen like the recent models. Just you know, man, they it's crazy how much cars depreciate. And um, you know, I've seen like the 2017 models that you can get. You know, for for the, like the twenty to thirty thousand range, with a lot of features, if not maxed out, 
And uh, there's also a couple of companies, I think one in, I want to say it's in Las Vegas somewhere, where they'll take a totaled car or one that's been in a bad accident, and they'll bring that thing back to literally looks brand new as far as you know all the footage they show and things like that. And I always thought that was cool because... Oftentimes, when one of these cars comes out and it's 70, 80, you know, dare I say 100 grand, depending, you know, a lot of us are going to go, well, you know, I'm not going to, you know, I can't afford that car or I don't want to spend that kind of money on a vehicle and that type of thing. And then before you know it, three, four years goes by and that car is affordable. Very similar. I remember when I was a lot younger, there was a car that had came out. It was like a 2000 model, it was a new model car. And I liked the body style, and I was just like, you know, I wasn't in a position to go spend that much for a car, and then several years went by, and they depreciated enough, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to get one now, and it didn't have that many miles, so I always thought that was an interesting spin, but the Continental, I mean, I swear, every time I had looked, there was a story um, up until this year that they're going away, then they're not, they're going away, then they're not, but the last I had heard, according to the Detroit News website, this is going back to July. It said Ford to end production of the Lincoln Continental at the end of 2020. So, you know, they had a call for these cars to be brought back. You know, many of us were like, man, bring it back, bring it back. And then, you know, they brought it back. And was it a nice car? Absolutely. And what I thought was, like, many of us were like, God, you know, why wouldn't you have maybe done uh, the rear doors, right, the suicide doors? And then I think they, they had gotten so much flack for that that um, they ultimately, of course, as we all know, they went ahead and did the special edition one, and they were so limited in production. It kind of goes back to my point a few minutes ago where it's like, okay, you know, you got to kind of be a certain kind of person that's going to be able to go out and pre-order one of those. And, you know, even if you ended up getting one, it goes back to the same conversation or message I just had. It's like, okay, maybe those hold their value to a certain extent because, okay, it's the Continental, it's, you know, it's it's extended, it's all through, uh, you know, Ford, Lincoln, uh, through their people, uh, you know, that shop that they teamed up with or that company, you know, so it had that mystique to it. But if the regular ones are depreciating that much, I just can't see any average person that's going to go out and buy one and, and hope that it's going to, you know, obviously maintain it's a dollar amount and or go up. So, you know, do I think in, in 50 years, I mean, those cars, you know, it's going to be cool to have one. Absolutely. But I just don't see the average guy or Lincoln fan going out and running to get one. Now, if they would have all had the suicide doors and I knew that I, I think we all knew they were never going to do this. I mean, if they somehow were able to come out with a convertible that, you know, wasn't just limited to, to a hundred, I think it would have been like when Chrysler about brought back to 300 when that came back, many of you know, I mean, that car was, everybody seemed to want it. It just had the styling of a luxury style car. Um, we had rented one, one back in, God, we drove up to the Pittsburgh area for my brother-in-law's wedding. And my son, I want to say it was June of 2006, because my son was just an infant. And, you know, I didn't want to fly up there. So we ended up driving, we rented a 300, and it was all, it was maxed out, all the features, leather, and I remember just what a nice car it was. And I was like, man, this is really nice, I could see why people want one, and um, that type of thing. But going back to the Lincolns and the Continentals, it, it's like now with Ford focusing more on, 
either the electric side or the trucks SUVs because that's what people are buying. It just, in hindsight, almost seems like, you know, why did they bring it back at that time? You know, so uh, I, I think there's going to be more and more that will eventually pop up for a good price. People will end up getting those and then maybe customizing them. I haven't personally seen one that's been like on air suspension or anything like that. And, uh, you know, so I'm kind of curious to see how that's going to, you know, kind of pan out. I know the numbers, they were, ironically enough, they weren't super high production numbers, just like the 60s Lincoln. So I'll kind of be curious, maybe on the next episode, I'll, I'll go back and research and, and kind of see what some of those production numbers were over the past like three years or so, and then kind of compare those. If you've ever bought anything from John Cashman, and by the way, you know, John is the man when it comes to the Lincoln Tops. Uh, you can go on convertiblelincolns.com. That's with an S, convertiblelincolns.com. And, uh, you know, you'll see the products that he offers. He's, he's also great about uh, answering your questions over the phone. And then if he's got a product that he can sell uh, to, to fix your problem, by all means, he'll uh, he'll make sure he gets that to you. But um, he uh, is, is gr- gracious for um, sometimes, you know, giving you copies of certain kind of pieces of paperwork and things like that. And one of the things that he had sent out to me years ago was the uh, the production numbers, you know, from 61 through, it was either 68 or 69. And it kind of showed this this uh, how many sedans, convertibles, and then, of course, the coupes, uh, how many of those were produced each year. And the numbers are just, to me, it's just crazy how low they were. And uh, we often would talk about, uh, John and I had a couple conversations, and I've talked about this with Blair and some of my friends as well, that... You know, some people, they seem to think like, well, I wonder how many of these are left. And I wish we kind of knew. Um, it's kind of cool with the Suicide Slabs and the Raddies and Lincoln Life guys. And um, I know there's uh, the Suicide Kings Los Angeles. And, you know, there's Lincoln Addict and there's a few other Lincoln groups out there. I'm probably forgetting a couple. I'm trying to think. But with all of these groups, you know, there's I think there's a guy in the Suicide Slabs that had put together... Uh, a spreadsheet of, okay, tracking some of the cars and the VIN numbers and stuff. But I don't know how many are really still out there. So that'll be interesting if someone can kind of nail that down at some point. But, you know, with the convertibles with only 3,000 some on made a couple of those years, and, you know, let's say 50% only maybe survive these 50 years, then that puts the number between like 1,500 and 2,000. So, you know, if you've got one of the convertibles or even the sedans or, the coops, <laughs> the coops are on the rise from '66 uh, to '68. Those awesome coops. Uh, then obviously you know that uh, there's not a lot of them out there. So uh, take care of them, right? All right. So that's really all I had for kind of the Lincoln Life updates. Again, not a lot. I'll come up with more for the next one. Now the Lincoln Continental Broker updates. So uh, I, in the last couple of years, have kind of got into trying to help sellers move these cars to a buyer that maybe either wants it for an investment or wants to just get out there and enjoy it like many of us do. So I mentioned that Dr. Nicholas, he has two sedans that he's selling. So it took me a little extra time than I thought, but we finally got the information. And basically he's got a 66 gold, I'll call it sedan. And then he has a 63 blue both of these cars have a lot of money put into them. And as an example, the 66, the motor was rebuilt and it has a full-blown, brand-new, all-interior, everything. So just the motor rebuild in the interior could be pushing 
and we've got the receipts for everything. Uh, the last seller provided all of that, and you know that might be 10, 12, 13 grand just in those two. I mean, literally going through, paying retail to get the motor redone, all painted, detailed, and then reinstalled. A lot of work. So that, and then the 63, the 63, we kind of have an, a potential deal that's going down on it. So on that one, beautiful uh, blue car, love, love, love the interior, really rock solid on both of these cars. He's basically asking 25000 on each. Now, I know some folks will go, oh, well, twenty five grand for a sedan. Listen, I've said it before, you can sometimes get a decent sedan for a lot less. Um, we've seen you know people pick a sand, sedan up maybe for eight grand, but typically these cars are going to need everything. And you might go, well, you know, plugs and points and and you know a couple things here and there. I mean, it adds up. You know, when you start talking about okay, your exhaust manifolds, um, you know, maybe those gaskets need to be redone. So it's like okay, well, you know, you could pay someone like Blair Farmer. He'll put it up on the lift and he'll change the gaskets. Well changing the gaskets and then maybe you realize like he did on one of his recent customer cars the manifold or the the head uh the ear of it was cracked so where it bolts to the manifold and that's one of the weakest part of these cars so then it's like okay well now i need to get another head for it uh, a lot of times the manifolds from all that heat you can't reuse them or the bolts break so you end up going well man i can get another set of manifolds for i don't know 500 bucks exhaust needs to be redone Full brakes, you know, either wheel cylinders, fuel system has to be gone through. Obviously, it's plugs, points, um, uh, wires. You know, you start to go, well, man, the radiator's never been pulled. So all of that stuff starts to add up, and that's what happened on my '64. It was like really, in hindsight, I probably could have not, you know, maybe didn't have to pull the motor. But you know, when you start getting down to it, and you have so much ripped out, it starts adding up. So. To be able to get a car that pretty much already has all the hard work done, it's already got the price of the car itself built in, you've already got all the labor and the parts and the expenses of getting up to literally a turnkey car. The previous owner of, like for instance, the 63, he would turn the key on that thing, and when he would drive to where he had to go to, he's a tour bus driver, he would drive 50 miles each way. Not one issue. There, park it do the tour bus stuff, come back, crank it up, drive it home. It's just one of those really nice cars. So if you've got the funds and you're looking for a nice, really, really nice car that you can even build upon and make it your own, uh, start with a great foundation. Boom, here you go. You got Dr. Nicholas. So you can reach out to me. Easiest way is probably going to be lincolnatticpodcast at gmail.com. That's the one I check the most. You can also send a direct message on Instagram. I'm at Lincoln Addict or Lincoln Continental Sales. Lincoln Continental Sales, that is um, the main page that I post on. And then those cars that are for sale, they will batch over to the Lincoln Addict Facebook. So I know that's a lot, but the reason why I do that is, I, you know, I don't want to have like 10 different pages. I already have a lot. But with the Lincoln stuff, what I can do is the Lincoln Continental stuff, that'll go over to Facebook uh, from Instagram, and that'll go over to the, the Lincoln Addict page, if you will. So if you're following our page on Facebook, that's good. You can also follow us again, as I mentioned, with those two different accounts on Instagram. So uh, go out there. A lot of people are always looking for one of these cars, and they ask a lot of questions on what do I, you know, what should I 
look for, you know, you can go back and listen to those other podcasts. We'll spend, I'll spend some more time in the future also talking about key things, but just know when someone has already spent the money and went through all that stuff, it's kind of like, look, you buy a brand new car, it depreciates. Well, in the reverse here, you've got someone that puts a lot of time and money into the cars and then they realize maybe they want to do something different with their time or money. They sell the car and then you're able to acquire it at a very fair price with everything done. So that's kind of the point here of these two sedans. Really nice. More photos coming on Instagram or Facebook. Just follow Lincoln Addict or Lincoln Continental Sales. Okay, next. Lincoln's in the movies. I'm a huge movie fan. Primarily love 80s, 90s uh, movies. Primarily 80s. But I, uh, as I've gotten older, I've you know just really love the fact that it's so easy to watch a movie now, right? With Netflix, Amazon Prime, if you buy stuff on Apple, whatever. And I, one cool thing that I just love, even about old TV shows, like for instance, watching Chips and things like that, you can you spot so many different cars and, and it kind of dates that time and that movie and that period, uh, if you will. And um, uh, if you follow me on Instagram at Lincoln Addict, You'll, saw, you'll see that I put together a couple of clips um, that were longer ones that kind of go over to the Instagram TV. So that's all built into Instagram, but the Instagram TV just allows you to post content more than one minute. So I put together a couple that, that talked about some of the older James Bond movies like Goldfinger and things like that. So I've always enjoyed, like I said, getting older, watching some of the movies, and, um, you know, especially of the 80s and 90s, like picking out like, oh, there's such and such car. And there's a, a whole community of people that do this and they do it for fun. But the movie I wanted to highlight here, which is kind of funny, is Inspector Gadget. So the 1999 uh, film uh, Inspector Gadget, this features, believe it or not, a Lincoln Continental convertible. And one of the reasons why I wanted to mention this is when I was over at Blair's shop, not too long ago, I don't know, maybe a month ago, I was talking to Chris Dunn. I had walked over uh, to Lincolnland, Inc. And uh, I was talking to Chris for a minute, and I said something about, um, I don't know, Inspector Gadget or a parts car or something. And he was talking about parts, and he goes, yeah, I got some parts off that car. And I was like, oh, really? And uh, what was so ironic about it is, if you've never seen the movie and you're a Lincoln guy, you're probably going to be like, damn, you know, it's, it's kind of frustrating because you see this classic car you know, already established earlier. The numbers aren't super high on these, but like with anything, you see this car and you're like, man, why did they do that? You know, why would they even, you know, use a car, a nice car like this? You know, we're thinking, man, you should have saved it, whatever. But they, um, regardless, there is basically, it was probably like a parts car, you know, or something that, you know, wasn't a super nice car and they just threw together as a quote movie car. But the the most kind of thing that stands out to me is the grill on it, I'm pretty certain it's a 64. I know it has a 64 bumper on it. And it almost looks like it has either a 65 deck lid or the trim piece is taken off. Again, it's definitely hodgepodge together. I know it has, a, I think, an Ohio license plate on it in the movie. And the grill, like I said, is a 62. It's a convertible. And it looks like a 64 body from what I, what I can tell. So... Um, interesting. If you've never seen the movie, I don't want to say go watch it because you might kind of cringe, but um, it's it's out there. So if you Google Inspector Gadget, Lincoln Continental, 
it will pop up. It was a white car, and um, yeah, Chris Dunn actually has a few parts from it. So uh, a lot of times these movie cars, again, are kind of hodgepodge together, so I'd be kind of curious to find out uh, more information on it. I know it's missing the trim pieces in the bumper. That's something that stuck out to me when I was watching it. All right, last couple things. Uh, Project Smuggler's Blue, so I got a lot of updates here. Uh, it definitely was a good day this weekend, as Ice Cube said in his famous song. And um, I went to Blitter's shop really with a goal in mind to focus on just a few key things. Blair often tells me it's one thing at a time on these Lincolns. You can't overwhelm yourself. It's like, hey, focus on one thing and try to resolve that one issue or that thing. So the goal was to figure out why the gauges were not working. I originally thought, hey, maybe the IVR is bad, which is a common diagnosis in these uh, Lincolns, uh, whether you're like on the Lincoln forum or just some of the Ford groups or some of the Facebook groups for Lincolns. Uh, typically, you've got, at least in 64, 65, you have like f- four main gauges and then you have your speedometer. So in my case, um, we, I pretty much, when I got the car, none of them, for the most part, were working. Well, a couple of them were, kind of. So when the, what ended up happening was my temp gauge, the last time I was at Blair Farmer Shop in Clearwater, we came to the realization that the temp gauge just is off. It needs to be adjusted. And that dated back to when I even first got the car because when I first got the car and I drove it a little bit, thought it was overheating. Well, of course, using the temp gun, as I mentioned, I think on the last episode, realized that the car isn't overheating. The fan is cycling. It's doing its thing. The radiator's working. It's got the coolant. All that stuff is good. Well, the fuel gauge has never worked, Okay the low uh, warning indicator has always worked and continues to work, but the gauge itself um, never worked, right? So I kind of was like, all right, I had the speedometer working. It bounces a little bit, but it works. And the temp gauge kind of works, right? It moves. The amp gauge I bypassed. I've talked about that in the past. And then on the two on the left, you have, of course, the fuel, and then you have the oil pressure. Well, the oil pressure stopped working uh, on July 31st, and that was driving to a local car show, pulled out of the, the gas station, boom, looked like I had no fuel pressure, or excuse me, oil pressure. So I knew with the motor being rebuilt and all that stuff that, okay, I know, I, I mean, I have a new oil pump rod, I mean, it's checked the fluids, I mean, I knew everything was fine. So it kind of led me to believe, and a few people were like, well, man, your IVR is probably bad. So upon getting to Blair's, I had reminded him that the temp gauge was still kind of working, and that pretty much ruled out that the IVR was bad because the IVR uh, feeds the fuel gauge, the oil pressure, and the temp gauge. So that's a little module, and it pulsates. He explained it to me. It pulsates like, I don't know, four or five volts or something like that to the gauges, and if that stops working... You could just Google Ford IVR. You'll see what I'm talking about. If that stops working, then your gauges are not going to work. So I know Pat Tian up in um, Canada, he kind of has a cool new school type replacement for an IVR. So he's got a a video out there on his YouTube channel. And I know that uh, he's got a pretty cool thing going. And I kind of was like, well, should I go that route? I mean, you can buy this little piece for a dollar. And 
he talks about it on his channel, and you can replace your IVR. Well, the IVR itself, depending on where you go to, you're going to spend $25 to $50, $60 to get another replacement. So immediately Blair was like, well, now that you reminded me that your temp gauge is working, he's like, we pretty much know the IVR is working because it's feeding power to it. So he's like, well, let's start here. So what we ended up doing was we started at the oil pressure sender. Now, I recently changed, I recently put a brand new sending unit on the um, oil filter housing, right? So it screws in there. And I had a little bit of a fiasco doing that because I, I should have never put the original one back on when the motor was on the stand. And I did. I was like, oh, I'll change it later. And the thing was pretty much, I put it in there a little too hard, right? A little too far. And, um, it just was a pain to get out because it wanted to kind of strip, you know, the, 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 the housing of it where you put the wrench, it was kind of stripped and you just couldn't get a good bite on it. So I had to take off the oil filter housing to change it. So I did all that. I don't know, a couple months ago. So I'm thinking I got a brand new sending unit and Blair reminded me, he said, look, just because it's brand new doesn't mean it's going to work. So he, with a light tester, we tested and sure enough, it was blinking at the pigtail over by the um, oil pressure sending unit. What that means is it's it's getting a signal. So we went ahead and went to the parts store, spent $12 and change, and boom, got another sending unit, put it on there. Lo and behold, boom, I got oil pressure gauge working. So I'm like, great. You know, uh, It's kind of scary even though you know you've got oil pressure when you're driving down the street and uh, you see you have, according to the gauge, no pressure. So kind of scary, but got that fixed. So the next up was, um, I'm thinking, ah, we're kind of done for the day. I had kind of a hard stop. I was going to go and, and do some stuff. And Blair said, well, look, go ahead and jack up the rear of the car and take out the sending unit for the fuel. Now, I've installed it and I've removed it before. You know, it's it's not too, too difficult. You obviously need to have a good jack uh, to jack the car up. And then you also have to have, you know, I highly recommend don't do anything under a car you know, even if you're like, ah, it's fine. Don't do anything under a car without jack stands, okay? So basically, jacked up the car, got on the creepy crawler, went up underneath the back of it, super easy to get in there, have a little bit of a light. You take off two fuel hoses, and you unplug the plug. You get a hammer and a flathead. You tap on the ring, I call it. Uh, obviously, left to loose, right? And you once that ring comes off, you can very carefully takes takes a minute. You got to pull the sending unit out and kind of finagle it a little bit and be very careful towards the end. And then you got the float. You'll kind of move it a little bit um, up in there, and uh, you'll be able to just boom take it all out. So immediately gave that to TC. TC uh, gave it to Blair. Blair had it over on his bench, and not five minutes later, he goes sending unit's bad. What was ironic is I never really drove the car with the original fuel tank and sending unit because we just knew this thing had been sitting and we could tell it's probably going to be nasty. So we basically, when I first got the car, we ended up putting a different fuel tank in it that was clean, that was resealed, and we put a brand new sending unit in it. The, the, the fuel gauge never worked from that point on. So I have never owned this car with a working fuel gauge, okay? So let's just, just lay that foundation. What that meant was I put in a brand new sending unit and it never even worked. 
right, as far as the gauge itself. So what uh, Blair was able to do is, you know, he's you can probably Google this and, and, and see on uh, YouTube a video on how to check. And basically he can kind of see just by moving the float, does it do anything? And it wasn't. So he said, hey, Jay, do you want me to take it apart? I can probably fix it, but I have to see, you know, and of course, you know, I mean, many of you have seen ascending unit. It's not, you know, it's not like this big thing. It's like, okay, well, there's a few little things you got to do to take it apart for those that know how to do it. So he takes it apart and he was able to fix it. And it wasn't getting, there was a bad connection is from my understanding on it. So long story short, had it plugged in, you can move the float and then boom, you see the meter changing as you move it, right? So went ahead and reinstalled that. Now, I would tell anyone, if you reinstall one, and let's say, uh, like on mine, for instance, I had changed it just, I don't know, a couple years ago, right, we'll say. So I had a fresh uh, rubber gasket in there. And the gasket, uh, the newer style ones are flat and they're round. And I don't know if they're even a quarter inch as far as um, kind of the, the, not the thickness, but just how wide it is in there. So I could tell that that, that that was still, like I had put like a little bit of sealant around it so it would sit in there, and uh, that was staying in there really nice. So I could, I could kind of tell, hey, I'm not going to have to change that right now. But if you had never changed yours or maybe your sending unit is super old and you you know intend to you know replace it with another one, you're going to go to Lincoln Land Inc. And, and buy one, just use the new seal that comes with it. It is a little bit different. I think the original ones were more of a round seal in terms of, I call it, I kind of call it like a, a rope style seal, but um, regardless, use the new gasket if you can. So mine was still good. I went ahead and put it in there, and then we still were having kind of an issue where it was like, all right, well, we knew that it was working now, but when he would use some of his instruments and try to get the gauge itself to move using an ohm meter and things like that, it wasn't doing anything. So ended up, you know, had the dash. I've had the dash apart still for a while, that main bezel. And what we ended up doing was we took out the two gauges on the left. They come out together. That's your fuel and your oil pressure. So went ahead and took those out. And he, we ended up swapping some parts, right, for from a parts uh, car, if you will. Swapped some parts out. And what we found was he had to use other instruments to basically, he, he could get the gauge to work from the ohm meter. So the gauge itself would go all the way to fuel very slowly, all the way to full. Then he would disconnect it and it would slowly go all the way back to empty. So what he ended up doing was he spent about, I don't know, upwards to an hour adjusting it to the point now it's working. So the good news is I think um, for the most part it's working fine. I do think it's going to need maybe a little bit of an adjustment on the low side. Um, I, I'm anxious to put more fuel in it. Yesterday I had put in about 10 gallons of uh, non-ethanol fuel, which I suggest. Put non-ethanol fuel in. Obviously drove about 32, 33, 34 miles from here to there. So 10 miles a gallon, probably burned, I don't know, three, three and a half uh, gallons of fuel. So I was probably down to like a quarter tank, and it looked like on the way home that I was even lower, even though the low uh, warning indicator, the little light on 6465, that had not come on. So bottom line, 
you can, if you go to someone that's experienced, they can take and they can get these gauges working and then you're not throwing money out at something, whether it be an IVR or other things that you think that might just magically fix your issue. In mine, it pretty much was fuel gauge wasn't working because of the sending unit, which he fixed. Then the gauge, even though the sending unit was now fixed, the gauge was still not calibrated. So that took him a while to do that. We fixed the oil pressure um, uh, piece because of who would have thunk it a couple months ago, put a brand new uh, sender in, boom, still not working. So went ahead and changed that, got that fixed. The amp gauge, I've talked about this before, I bypassed it, so that doesn't work. And then the temperature gauge, I do think is going to need a little bit of an adjustment. It still hasn't, um, I don't think it's perfect. I, I know it's not perfect, but it really, um, when I come to a stop, it really, really creeps up. Whereas when we use the temperature uh, gun, we know the car is not getting as hot as what the gauge is indicating. So all that being said, it was a great day. Um, it was awesome to be able to kind of learn some things, wrench on the car a little bit. Uh, Blitter Farmer is 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 great at what he does. Uh, Teresa uh, TC, she is awesome as well. So both of them helped a ton. And, um, you know, super excited that, again, can kind of drive the car. And those are a couple more things that are now working as they should be. But with everything, there are Lincolns, and uh, we'll have to just kind of see if we can maintain those working items. So that's a lot to say. Bottom line is you can um, you can get your original gauges working with a little bit of time and effort that would potentially save you money versus going with an aftermarket gauge like a Dakota Digital. Uh, those are going to run you, depending on the vendor, you can buy them from Devious Customs. They're around $800. And then, of course, you got potential shipping and um, whatnot. So that's going to obviously involve a little bit different look in the car. It's going to involve a little bit more uh, modification to get the, the gauges, the seat in there correctly for 6465. So it's got a little bit of an effort tied to it. Whereas I was like, well, look, I'm not ruling out going with those. I loved Dakota Digital, great company, great products. But if I can get my originals working, I'm all for it. So that's where we're stand. More updates to come on Project Smugglers Blues in the LincolnForum.net, my build thread, as well as on the next episode of the podcast. Okay, so uh, next, uh, just really shout out. I want to give a huge shout out to John Long of Nashville. Uh, John, J-O-N, Long, Nashville, all together on Instagram, is his username. He's actually selling his beautiful home up in that area as well, up in the Tennessee area. It's Spring Hill, Tennessee, uh, for sale log cabin on almost 11 acres. Looks just freaking awesome. Uh, John was the previous owner of the two sedans that we're trying to sell for the doctor. And uh, he's done a great job uh, reinforcing to me some of the paperwork that he included with those cars. And hopefully whoever ends up buying them from the doctor, they will enjoy those cars as much as uh, he did. And uh, John, you can even reach out to him. He's, he's done great answering some questions for some potential buyers of these awesome sedans. So go out there. And then Clint uh, Sides, he did all the, he performed all the work on these cars. Uh, his Instagram is Clint, C-L-I-N-T, Side, S-I-D-E, underscore Snoopy. And uh, Clint has done a lot of stuff for the Lincoln community. So uh, big ups to him. And big ups to John Long 
for uh, helping kind of reinforce to those new potential buyers, as I mentioned, uh, how awesome those two sedans are. All right. So before we do um, the intro to uh, Frank's audio, I want to remind everyone that Devious Customs, if you're listening this Labor Day weekend, he has an awesome sale going on, 61 through 69 Lincoln airbag kits. You can save uh, $200. You have to go to DeviousCustoms.com. He also has a uh, buy a set of control arms and get a free tapered ball joint upgrade. So you can save some money there. So get out there, uh, DeviousCustoms.com. If you're looking to customize your Lincoln, and again, he also has some other parts that uh, would basically bring your car up to a new modern uh you know, appeal, if you will, depending on speaker pods or uh, the, the glass for the dashes in 64, 65, so on and so forth. Thank you again to Colorado Custom. Love what they continue to do uh, for the Lincoln community with those awesome Colorado Custom wheels. Uh, you can go out there on their Instagram and you can look. And uh, they have a hashtag specific uh, for a lot of their uh, Lincoln wheels, and it's Lincoln CC Cycle Wheels. Uh, if you tap on that, you're going to see there's over 100 posts, and uh, it's pretty awesome to see those wheels. Uh, they look just like the original hubcaps. And then last but not least, Steel Rubber, the best in the business. Love Steel Rubber. I'll be doing some videos, uh, hopefully before we get too much further into the year, showcasing how easy it is to install these awesome products. It's steel, S-T-E-E-L-E, rubber.com. All right, with that being said, we're going to roll into Frank's audio. Uh, Frank is a great guy, down-the-earth dude, uh, family guy, and uh, really uh, always enjoy seeing his photos on Instagram. So make sure you go out there and follow him once uh, he mentions his Instagram account. Uh, you guys enjoy the long Labor Day weekend if you're listening now. If you're on the road or whatever you're doing, be safe. And thank you for always tuning in to Lincoln Addict Podcast. If you want to buy a sticker, just go to my main website, it's our lifestylepodcast.com, which is the other podcast I do, but R-O-U-R lifestylepodcast.com. That will get you to our main store. And on the little uh, flyout menu, you can go to Lincoln Addict and you will see that we have stickers there and we have a couple of sticker kits for 64 Lincoln owners. But uh, if you want to get you a sticker and uh, support the cause, go out there and uh, pick it up. I got 20% sale right now on those Lincoln Attic stickers. So thank you guys so much. Thank you to the ladies as well that listen. You guys take care. ODB, the Lincoln Attic, on to the next one. Hey, hey, and as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, we've got a special guest on, someone that I've had on the list a little while, uh, Frank Sony. And uh, Frank, man, how are you? Dude, I'm doing great. Just sitting up here in the uh, Pacific Northwest up in Victoria. It's uh, fantastic weather today. It's nice, probably, for you Americans down there. It's about 80 degrees, uh, no breeze, perfect weather. Man, dude, you're making me jealous. It's so humid down here in Florida right now. Of course, in the South, it's uh, you know, we're on, you know, polar opposites, if you will. I guess you know, like you're uh, for those that are listening, 
basically I'm in Florida and Frank is, if you think about like where Vancouver's at, we'll talk a little bit about it. He's just south of there, kind of what the visual that I have from Google Maps. So clear across the country and then, of course, obviously into Canada. But um, uh, Frank, dude, thank you so much for coming on. We see that you're super passionate about the Lincolns. And I'm going to try something a little bit different. Why don't you give out your Instagram now? That way, if someone's listening and they're kind of playing on their phone, Hopefully they're not driving, <laughs> but if they're playing on their phone, right, they can look right. you up and then they can get a visual of your car as we start to get going here. So what's your Instagram name? Yeah. So I started this Instagram page just in honor of my dad. He's still alive, but it's, it's his car. So the handle is dad underscore 64 underscore continental. Yeah. And it's D-A-D-S. And like you said, underscore six, four underscore continental. So thank you. So, be, you know, as we kind of get going, I figured, you know, why don't you tell the listeners, we got a lot of, a great following. So thanks to all the listeners, as I mentioned earlier, that continue to tune in. A lot of people continue to nudge me and say, hey, we got to get more episodes. So we're trying to keep that path going. But uh, why don't you give a little bit of information about uh, who you are, Frank? So born and raised out here in the Pacific Northwest, uh, grew up here in Victoria ever since I was a little kid. Um, my uh, my dad was always in the automotive industry, and he immigrated to Canada back in like the late fifties from Eastern Europe. Wow! Okay, and um, he never he never thought he'd get into cars the way that he did, but he just started working at car dealerships and fixed operations like parts departments, and um, yeah, he picked up this car pretty much when I was uh, an infant, and. You know, it's just it's just one of those things that's just been in the family. And, you know, he's taught me a lot. He taught me how to wrench on the car. And, um, yeah, just once, once you get it in your blood, it just doesn't seem to go away. Yeah, I, I couldn't have said it better. Now, let me ask you this. Before we talk about the car, how awesome was it growing up in that area? Because, again, we've got people from all over the world that listen. And with you being up there, when I look at Google Maps and I type in Victoria, Canada, it kind of looks like you're on – dare I say a big island up there? Yeah, dude, it's a huge, it's a huge island up here. And, uh, Victoria is like the state capital. Um, so, you know, we've got a big parliament building here. So a lot of the government heads are here. It's an old sort of English style city. Uh, we don't really have any skyscrapers, so you can see the ocean pretty much from anywhere you want to go. Um, like I said, there's no bridge connecting us to the mainland, so we're kind of isolated out here. You know, a lot of people call it Fantasy Island because you kind of come here, we don't get a lot of snow. Like, it's really rare when we do get snow. Um, the weather here is, is, is always nice and warm. Um, we get passed over the rain a lot. The rain kind of passes over us. It kind of collects more on the lower mainland um the olympic mountains the rocky mountains the pacific mountains um so we just got great great climate here um it is like fantasy island pretty chill yeah when you said 80 degrees earlier right i heard that right you said 80 it's 80 degrees high today it's 80 degrees high today it's gonna be like that for the rest of this week wow tiny little bit of heat wave i don't know if this the jet stream's pushing up from uh from california but we're getting some nice weather right now. Some really nice weather. <laughs> well, man, you sound like a meteorologist, and I'll I'll take your word on that because I tell you what, man, it is uh, it is freaking warm down here. I grew up in Florida, so I'm accustomed to it. 
as uh, I know John Cashman, big supporter of the podcast. He's one of the Lincoln OGs uh, in this kind of small community of ours. And, uh, you know, he lived here a long time now. He's over in Palm Springs. So, hello, John. I'm sure he's on the road listening. So, thanks, man, for always doing that. But, well, let me ask you this. So, you kind of grow up in Canada. Your dad immigrates, as you mentioned, and he starts kind of wrenching on vehicles and stuff like that. At what age did you start maybe saying, hey, I want to get my hands dirty? Were you a teenager? Were you like, ah, I don't want to mess with that? Like, what age did you kind of get hooked? Well, well, dude, the funny thing is with, like, old school, old school immigrant, you know, parents, is it's always hands-on. So your Saturdays weren't, you know, necessarily going down to the arcade and playing video games, even though I love doing that. You know, weekends were like, hey, kiddo, here's your hammer, here's your wrench, get out here and help me with this stuff, right? So whether it was, you know, putting an addition on the house, wiring a house, building, a, you know, something in the garden, or like I said, wrenching on cars. So it kind of was just something that was, um, you know, raised in me to do. Um, so as soon as, you know, I mean, that opportunity when you're starting to drive or you, you see that window that you can drive, it was just like, yeah, you want to know everything. Um, the cool thing with wrenching with my dad is, he wasn't so much like, watch me do this. He was more like, well, you broke it. Let's see how you figure out how to fix it. So it was a lot of, he stood back, you know, let me do trial and error to try and fix things. And, um, yeah, just, just became that passion to do things. Awesome. Now you mentioned how long he's had the car, give or take, give us a little bit of backstory. Did he purchase it new was it maybe early 70s when these cars weren't as maybe sought after how did he end up acquiring this uh 64 that we love that uh we we see all over your instagram yeah so he kind of lucked into it and i and i you know the more i talked to him about it it wasn't really his first choice to buy the car so the way that it worked is um an elderly couple had the car and the gentleman he had passed away and the wife was afraid of driving the car. So they had bought it brand new. And I think I still got the bill of sale from when they bought it. Um, and then he just, you know, the car came into the dealership and like you said, it was, you know, like 1969, you know, my mom was pregnant with me at the time. And, you know, he said, I need the car, a family car. And he picked up this 1964 continental dude. I, I think he paid like $500 for the car back then. And it became our family car. If you look on my Instagram page, you'll see pictures, a picture of me when I was a baby in the back seat of this thing. Like, you know, it's been a family car since like, you know, early seventies. Awesome, man. He was uh, cruising down the street in his six, four way before easy E was, isn't that right? <laughs> it's so true. So true. We drove this thing you know, to uh, the province next to us, which is Alberta, which is like the next state. You know, we drove this thing to Alberta a few times on the highway. Dude, I've got a scar on my eyebrow because I used to sit on the armrest in the front seat, no seatbelts. Dad used to smoke ashtray open. He has to hit the brakes. Who goes into the ashtray? Me. <laughs> well, those, sto you know, those stories and those memories have uh you know obviously been kind of just ingrained in your brain it sounds like frank right exactly exactly the good old days we call it that so 
you know, you talked a little bit about how he acquired the car and did he drive it into like let's say the eighties, nineties, and then it started to sit because of, you know, he just changed cars or kind of what's the story there on how it maybe transitioned into the garage and then over to your owner or over to your um kind of curation, if you will, or you know, you being the curator now. Yeah. So it was our daily driver until my mom she got her license and she we picked her up in 1963 Ford Falcon Futura. Dude, deadly car. Oh, Learned wow. to drive on that car as well. Deadly, deadly. A little six-cylinder in that. Just an awesome car. So we had two cars. They were both Fords. And then Dad started getting some demo vehicles. Like, you know, as part of his perk, you know, they would give him a company car to drive. So this ended up sitting in the garage and became more of a weekend driver. Okay. And then... Um, and then as time went on, that weekend became a once a year kind of car. And then it just sat and sat and sat in the garage. And then the more that it sat in the garage, you know, we always looked at it. I took it out every once in a while to like a buddy's wedding or something like that, but it wasn't getting driven enough. And you know how these cars are when they sit a long time, things just start to, you know, don't work the way that they used to. Mm-hmm. And so, about 10 years ago, he literally just was like not driving it anymore. He'd go in, start it up every once in a while. And, um, it was one, I think it was like a Christmas dinner here at my house. You know, I only live about 10 minutes away from them. You know, we're all sitting around the dining room table and he throws a set of like, OG Lincoln keys, like the, the original key that's got the Lincoln emblem in it. He throws it on the table and he said, son, I don't want it anymore. It's too much work. It's yours. I'm like, come on, dad, you can't do that. You know, he's like, Nope, it's, uh, it's yours. You know, I just hope that you'll do it right and bring her back to life. So I just made sure that he was cool with that. And, you know, it took my time and I brought it to a buddy of mine shop and did a little bit of work on it and, uh, got her back to life. And, um, I still keep the car at their house in their garage just so dad can get a you know chance when he wakes up if he wants to look outside and sees it in the garage and he has these memories of what it was like you know because it's always going to be you know my dad's 64 so trying to keep that you know legacy going killer i mean who would have ever thought you know your dad oftentimes the old school you know the dad would you know throw the son maybe a little uh, pocket knife for you know over the years kind of teaches hey you know let's get the bb gun out there like the famous movie and all that right christmas story but you know he saw something in you that he wanted to pass on that tradition of that car that you had those fond memories and that had to just been an awesome feeling for you man you're never going to forget that i'd imagine no you know what i mean and and the thing is is about the cars like you know the car like i said it's been in the family forever you know and i always thought that heaven forbid something were to happen to my parents, you know what I mean? I, w- I would definitely grab the car and, and fix it up in honor of my parents. But, you know, the gratitude that I have is epic because, you know, I get to enjoy it with my dad now. Like, you know, we go out almost every single Sunday. He rides shotgun. We stop. We have coffee. He tells the story of the car. He loves to wave at people. Like he's, it gives him a new life to enjoy it. And it's like, yeah, I, I couldn't have asked for a better experience 
you know, here's my dad who raised me in this car. I got to ride around in this car and have great memories. And now I get to be the pilot and I get to drive my dad around and have him create memories and tell me old stories. It's this full circle of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a do- I've got a daughter who's learning to drive now. And eventually, you know, it'll be her car or, or her kid's car. Like, you know, we'll keep this legacy going as long as we can. But the car is beautiful. Lincolns are amazing. But it's the story that's in this Lincoln that makes it that much bigger of a car. Wow. Yeah, man, it gives me goosebumps thinking of um, just how well you said that. When you look at, we mentioned dad's 6-4 Continental on Instagram. When you go and you look at Frank's feed, you'll see uh, there's obviously an awesome photo you shared back on June 21st with your daughter. You're in the front seat. She's kind of in the back. Uh, Real real awesome moment there. And something that always stuck out to me and one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on is I can see the passion there. I see the connection. I had a great connection with my dad when we talked about cars and stuff, and he knew, even though he wasn't a, quote, Ford guy, he was more of a Chevy guy, he knew that I loved these Lincolns for whatever reason, and uh, he always supported that, which I thought was cool. But a lot of the photos, it's almost like you kind of get a sneak photo, and you got your dad, like, in there. He's almost like, where's Waldo, right? But uh, he's always right right, right right. in there in many of the photos, and I think that's a, a very cool thing that you do, Frank. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. It's um, this, like I said, just creating those new memories. And you know, growing up, you know, I didn't, we didn't have all the social media stuff. And the cool thing is, is I get to share his story, not only with you know this amazing Lincoln community that we have out there that is global, because there's people all over Europe that follow, you know, all of us Lincoln owners. But you know, my family members that are all over the world too, they get to see. Like you said, where's Waldo? Where's dad? You know, <laughs> yeah. some people call him Johnny Cash. He's like the little Johnny Cash with his like cool 60s retro glasses that he wears. And yeah, we just, it's, uh, it's kind of, it's cool to share those, those things. Yeah. He's got his hair combed back and, uh, he's got his belt yeah. on a lot of the photos yeah. you can see, you know, he's the true definition of old school obviously came up as a hardworking guy, as you've kind of explained and laid the foundation yeah. of the story. And to me that means a lot because that generation, that's what they knew, you know, putting their boots on, getting up, working hard, you know, supporting the family. If they were lucky, they maybe have a nice little car like that. They took real good care of. A lot of people did. And um, it's pretty awesome. Now, when we think of uh, the car itself, let's talk a little bit about it. It's a a 64, obviously, ties into your Instagram name. Uh, The one thing I'll say is knowing uh, I got some of my notes here. Keep me honest, it's a Princeton gray metallic uh, sedan, of course, right? It is, but that's not the original color. Okay. So, Dad did have it painted. He had it painted in the 80s. Uh, he had it painted that gray. The original color, like if you look at the door jams, is that uh, blue silver that they had. Yeah. I can't remember the exact uh, the name of it, but it's, it's yeah, it's that blue, that blue gray that they had. Yeah, and it's funny because they had so many different colors. Mine, I'm pretty sure, is the Huron Blue Metallic, which I, I love. My dad and I love blue cars. I love the blue. There was a couple, like there was the Silver Blue Metallic. There was a Powder Blue. There was a Diamond Blue. There were a couple. The cool thing is there was so many different options. I personally really yeah. like 
their Princeton gray color. It just kind of captures me. There's a local guy here I met, real nice guy. He ended up with a, a car. His is Princeton gray. And um, it's funny because another one of your fellow Canadians, Pat Tian, we've had him on. We're going to have him yeah. on again. He always, I think, has to do kind of a double take because you guys have almost the same color car. We do, we do. It's 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 a total twin, and um, yeah, there's there's a, there's a couple of guys down in California that got the the same twin as well too, with the red interior because that's the other thing. I think Pat's car has got a blue interior, mm-hmm. and um, I think like so. This yeah, bad, this bad boy, yeah, this bad boy's red everywhere. Red headliner that is still in mint condition from uh, from '64, never been taken down. You know, door panels still original. Interesting because you see a lot of Lincolns have got the wood grain um, um, accessory yeah, on the, 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 int- on the, the, uh, the door insert. panels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, this doesn't have it. This does not have those um, inserts. Yeah, the 64 and 65 interior is beautiful. Yeah, and there's no air in this car. This car never came with air. So pretty, pretty basic trim level that way. Well, well, hey, I mean, I know it's cliche, but you're up in Canada. You don't need air conditioning, man. <laughs> we don't need air conditioning up here. No, we don't. You just roll those <laughs> windows today. down. Yeah. So, yeah. obviously, one thing that I think the Lincoln community that we're trying to do a better job, and, and we've done, you know, I don't, I'm not saying we're trying to, but I think there's been a, a convergence of the purists and uh, some of the people that like the, you know, customization aspect, right? So, you see a little bit less, what I call a little bit less hate out there when you post something. You know, sometimes people are like, hey, you know, it's got the white whites. I'm not a fan of those. Obviously, those are a quick change, right? For anybody that wants to just put it anybody, back in stock, yeah. right? How did your yeah. dad feel, right? So kind of walk us through a little bit and then maybe mention like what he thought of it. Um, what are some of the things done to the car? It looks from Instagram, it appears kind of like more of a stock, right? The interior looks amazing. But uh, what are some of the things you've done to the 64 sedan? So really, really, really basic stuff. So um, when, I, when I pulled it out of storage, it, it mechanically needed, you know, the carburetor redone, transmission redone. Um, you know, I've always wanted to bag these cars because they do look absolutely fantastic bags. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, it was a good opportunity for me because the lower ball joints on the lower control arms were completely just powdered out um so it was an easy easy swap to do that um he dad wasn't such a fan when i did that he kind of you know was a little bit bitter that he's like oh you're modifying it so much so my dad you know it's a pretty easy swap to put it back Mm -hmm. without really changing too much here um yeah so i just bagged it white walls and that's it that's all you need on a car like this and you can really enjoy it and even for the purists, I mean, I think many of us have gotten a, a Lincoln, and I'm sure like you, in the beginning, you drive it and you go, man, this this thing rides great. Um, you know, even with some yeah. older shocks, and a lot of people have pointed out over the years in the forums and the Facebook groups, man, if you have a 50-year-old car and you just change the springs and you put new shocks on it, uh, new leafs, if you will, in the back, obviously the rear springs, the car's going to drive amazing and float down the road. Absolutely. But like with anything, you know, we do, I mean, to me, a 60s Lincoln kind of lowered, even if it's static or if it's bagged, it just has this iconic look. And into the, you know, you made a great point. And this goes out to everybody out there that's always like, man, these guys are, you know, uh, modifying, as you mentioned, the cars. They can always go back to stock. You know, it takes a little bit of work. But 
to me, yours is classy. You know, it's not overdone. Uh, it has a perfect mix of the originality and then mixed with some of the, yeah. you know, modernization, maybe customizing, if you will. Yeah. And like the, the, the bag kits, they, they really do make a big difference with ride. And to your point, it's just, it is really easy to swap it back. There's different kits that you can, you can buy that are just bolt-ons. They bolt onto the factory, um, you know, mounting points, you know, yep. they, they, you're not drilling, cutting, doing a bunch of things. If you just want to have a simple bag system to it, um, I oh, recommend yeah. it. Like I got to tell you the ride that this thing compared to what it was like before. Yeah. The shocks were sacked. The leaf springs were sacked. You put four people in the car. The car used to bottom out all the time in the back end. You'd go to turn, uh, left. The car would dive right. Cause it was just, there was no balance way and all that, yeah. you know, all with, the bushings. I'm running, I'm out. running the app. Yeah. I'm running the AccuAir system with it and it's got the E-level on it. So you load it up with four or five people. The ride height's always the same. It's always adjusting it. You know, it rides so great. Just it's, it's air rides the way to go on these cars. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun. Now tell us a little bit about when you decided to do that. Did you embark upon installing it? Did you have a local shop? Are there customizers around there? Uh, how did you approach doing that work to the 64 sedan? So Jay, it was an education, I tell you. Ah. Um, there really there really isn't a lot of guys up here that um, do this kind of custom work. So I was on the internet. I was. I think I contacted you. I was contacting you know, a ton of different people. Um, I talked to Troy, uh, down at born customs down in, uh, mm -hmm. in Phoenix a little bit. Um, a lot of the guys were just like, you know, ship the car down here and we'll, we'll get her done. And, you know, with the Canadian dollar to the U S dollar shipping it, getting it down there, you know, it was just not something that I was willing to do. Um, again, gratitude. And I just seemed to have some kind of luck. I had a buddy of mine that owned a, a local shop here in town. He says, he says, Frank, let me, let me, let me wrench on it with you. He says, bring it down here. I'll throw you the keys to the shop. You can come down here, work on it at night. Um, you've got free use of the hoist and whatever have you. So it was a four month project. You know, I let them do the heavy lifting of changing the control arms and making sure the front end was, was done right. And, um, yeah, we just wrenched on it at night, and I learned a lot. Yeah, I got to tell you, I learned a lot about these cars. It's fun, isn't it? Especially when you got a buddy or a local shop. I mean, it. you know, you get out of work that day, you go wrench on it, you got it up on the lift, however you're doing the work. But it's just a good feeling because a lot of us, as we get to a certain age, you know, I've been in the truck scene a long time, so I've been around their suspension and around, you know, going to, you know, numerous shows a year. But a lot of folks, and, and even me, now that I'm, dare I say, I'm getting into my 40s, where, you know, you, you kind of get up, you go to work, you come home, repeat, re rinse, repeat. Well, when you can kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, you kind of inject this awesome uh, project, right? And you get excited, and, you know, it's already running and driving, so now you're just going to customize it some and then cruise it on the boulevard. It, it's, it, it definitely can kind of get the uh, the hair standing on, on your arms, and I think that's pretty cool. Now, 
Um, yeah. If you remember, what are like what kit did you did you end up buying a certain kit or what did you do with that? I know you mentioned AccuWare, which for all the listeners, many of them know that's the air management kind of the the uh, the up and down part, right? That's going to manage the air, the compressors, all that. But um, what other stuff did you maybe use? Did you end up buying a kit? I did end up buying a kit. Um, I, I actually went with the Rytec system. Yep. So yep. I'm I'm 80% happy with it. The front end with the strong arms, the bags, the shocks, the way that front end goes together, the front end is fantastic. You know, my ego does have a little bit of a challenge that I can't get the ass end on the ground with that Rytec system, but, you know, it is what it is. I just I wanted something that was a little bit more bolt-on keeping it sort of stock um, and uh, instead of like you know doing a devious uh, devious custom rear end which is the way to go they have great four links you know that just bring these things right on the ground so um, it's got a ride tech front to back and the Accurair, uh CVT so it's the one with the valves in the tank and then dual compressors so I just got one tank two compressors I love that Accurate system. It really breaks my heart that those guys have gone out of business, but they, they made some great products. Yeah, that was big news earlier this year and was unfortunate. Hopefully we'll kind of see some resurgence there. There's a couple other big players out there, but you know, to your point, in my 67, which has kind of been a long-term project, never really got it to a, you know, to a point of running and driving, but it has those same front lower control arms because for years and years there was mob steel, and then Mob Steel would kind of partner with Air Ride, right? And um, you know you'd end up with those Ride Tech uh, lowers and that type of thing. And then of course, as these cars uh, grew in popularity and more guys wanted to lay them out, you ended up with people, as you guys hear, Devious Customs, a big sponsor of this podcast. But I I almost appreciate the fact that some people forget that when you go and you do this kind of work to a car. Like like for me, you know, I'm kind of OCD and I end up, you know, it'll take me five years to finish something, right? Whereas what you did was you said, hey, I want to do it. You order the parts, you get with the homie, you get it done and your car looks fantastic. You're out there enjoying it. And then let's say a year or two goes by and you go, you know what? I want to ratchet it up to the next level. You know, you just go and do it. You cut the tunnel a little bit in the back. You do those little bit of mods. But to me... You kind of did it the right way. You got it out there, right? Kind of the in, in the business I used to be in, we would call it minimum viable product. You know, get it out there at least, enjoying it, and then you can always improve it month over month, year over year, however you so choose. You know what I mean? Exactly. No, yeah. good point. Good point. Thank you. Yeah, man. So um, the tires, uh, any idea what tires you have? And obviously, you got, it looks like the wide white on it. Yeah, I did, I did just the stock 15-inch wide white there. You know, there was a supplier out of uh, out of Vancouver, which is ferry boat away. Um, they had they had a set of Coker uh, white walls out there, and you know what? They're really really reasonable uh, for the weather up here. They they work great, easy to clean. Um, Dad still had like sort of the OG thinner white walled um, mm-hmm. tires that were on there. They were just whatever have you. So it was a, such an easy swap with the with the white walls. And in, in my opinion, it just makes the car pop with the chrome, with the lines of it. It just makes the car seem just even bigger than life with those with those white walls on it. It, it absolutely does. And obviously, there's you know some guys are like, oh, I like the 
the smaller, almost like maybe it was a little over an inch, that white wall, kind of more the stock. But to me, like I said, when someone owns a car, I preach this a long time, you you know, it's your car. You can customize it as you want. And I know a lot of the old school guys and the purists are kind of like, well, these cars were really nice from the jump. Well, yeah, if you walked up to your car at a show, a lot of guys are going to be like, oh, he's got it lowered a little bit. And you look inside it and you go, man, this is this is like a time capsule with that awesome, yeah. I forget if the interior was called Fiesta Red, but I know the outside the red was called Fiesta. Like that interior is the same that uh, Tony Boss Bolin has in his 65. And just to me, the color of the car, the white walls, the little bit of the lowered stance, obviously on the airbag system, and then the red interior, just make it, man, just do cherry, bro. Thank you, thank you. And to your point, Jay, it's like, you know, it's easy to swap it back. Buy a set of, buy a set of you know, tires with the freaking pinner whites on it. You know, you just put it back to regular stock height, and away you go. So she's still got the OG motor in, in this thing. And I had a lesson the other day when I popped a uh, brake line on the front end. You know, that's one other modification that's coming down the pipe is I will go with the dual uh, reservoir master cylinder on this thing. Because when that hose blew, I tell you, it was a white knuckle moment. Well, I'm glad that you brought it up. I did want to talk about kind of the motor and some of the mechanics of it. I can't preach this enough. Met a guy a few years ago, Tony and I, uh, we went down to the LCOC event here in Florida. I think it was April of 2018, if I remember correctly, down in the Bradenton area. And met this guy that had driven his, I want to say 63, it was either 62 or 63. He had driven it to like 40 states in the U.S. I mean, just a hardcore guy, really nice guy. And his was like a 99-point inspection type car. And Tony and I look, and we're like, man, he's got the single master. To me, even though yeah. you know some guys, the purists, are like, no, I want to have it just like this. I mean, even John Cashman and Blair Farmer and uh, Teresa down here, they will tell you, listen, don't worry about the points. Safety is more important. So what happened? I mean, were you just literally like, man, you just lost brakes? Oh, Jay, I tell you, man, again, more, more gratitude of how lucky I've been with, with so many things. You know, dad and I have driven, you know, half an hour drives on the highway. We've gone hours and hours driving this thing. It's been, like I said, three and a half years driving it, um, having to brake pretty hard. Everything's working good. We're out for coffee one Sunday. We're just kind of cruising around. It was a hot day, another probably 80 degree weather. I was just found a parking stall and I was just pulling in there and the pedal literally right to the floor mm. as I was parking like e-brake on right away. And I'm like, wow, I just lost pedal. You know, dad's like looking at me going, I don't know what to say. You know, we popped the hood. The reservoir was down about half. And I'm like, wow, well, maybe she was just a little bit low, put some more fluid in there, pedal right down. So I could just see where it was coming out of that front hose. And again, these are things that, you know, when I had it up on the hoist, we checked it. Everything was good. Um, not thinking that I might as well just change every hose. You know, Jace, to your point, it's like, you know, you're getting the car out. You're driving it. You're enjoying it. You know what I mean? I'm not about to pull the motor just because I want to make sure everything is good on it, right? The hoses look great, but sure enough, one went. And when one goes on these cars, you got no brakes, nothing. 
Yeah, and it's kind of funny because I had this little saying in life, like live with no breaks, right? Like, you know, hustle hard, you know, zero to 100, you know, all that stuff, right? And and I mean that in the, like, the, the hustle form. But when we're talking about cars, yeah, yeah we, we need some breaks, man. We, we, we got to have breaks. And what, what happened on my 64 when I got it, you know, it, it kind of starts to uh, snowball. And it got to the point where something had happened where mine were really bad. And I ended up uh, a couple of the guys in the Lincoln Forum. So I, I always recommend people LincolnForum.net or it's the LincolnForum.net, just how it sounds. They had referred me. They go, man, I think Classic Tube uh, sells the full kit. And I looked it up and they had it for like the 65. And I knew the 65s were almost identical to 64. So I was able to make that kit work and I had redone mine. But uh, to your point, it's even if you redo all your brake lines, then maybe your master goes out. Well, then that's a whole nother yeah. thing. So you know, just to keep it simple for everyone, a dual master is kind of when you when you take that little cover off. You know, a lot of us and and you growing up and stuff, you see the dual. You know, there's the two little you know uh, sections, right? And then you know you have your brake fluid in there. Well, these older cars like the '64 Lincoln, it had a single master. So if that went out, then you basically have no brakes. Yeah, and Jay, you think about it, these cars are massive, and they take a lot of room to stop even when you have brakes, right? Like, you know, a classic like this, having an accident, you know, because you blew a brake hose is just, yeah, it's just a nightmare, nightmare waiting to happen. So, thankfully, I was just parking, but I I do have a buddy that um, found me a pretty much a bolt-on dual reservoir master cylinder, because I guess the the line and the pressure has to be a certain way if you, unless you want to use an adapter to uh, regulate front to back. But Mm -hmm. um, that's the next big project that's going to happen on this bed line. Yeah. Kind of like the metering valve that you kind of put in there and um, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And you know, a lot of folks will, you know, feel like they got to go and upgrade to do, I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, you could spend some money going with bigger brake kits and all that stuff. I mean, believe me, there's a lot of cool bolt on stuff out there. Uh, Tony, got to give him a lot of credit. He helped me redo the entire brake system on my 64. Now, I did most of the lines, I think, myself. He helped me because I'll be honest, when I learned how to do brakes when I was younger, I pretty much never had to mess with the drum brakes, right? I would see them and I'm like, man, ah, that's over my head, right? And it's really not that hard, yeah. but you got to learn, right, with the springs and stuff. So, but whatever we did, he dialed mine in. I mean, it took us a while. We changed the, um, the booster, of course, we got the dual master, all new brake lines, the 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 hoses and the lines themselves. But my car stops pretty good now. I haven't knock on wood. I haven't been in a situation to like, oh my god, we're gonna go off a cliff. Let's lock them up. I mean, then it's gonna get a little scary. Yeah. I, I would think. But but yeah, you know, you got to have good brakes, man. Because especially like you, you get out and drive the car, so you know, you don't want to have any challenges. No, no. And I think the next the next project, you know, I think you referred me to. Uh to Pat and I had a great chat with him is converting this old amp meter to uh, a voltmeter. Um, you know, Pat had some great descriptions on how to swap these things out, find the right um, aftermarket, you know, uh, voltmeter that really just retrofits into these things perfectly. So that's, after I do the brakes, that's my next big project is convert this amp meter to a uh, voltmeter. Yeah, and definitely get with Pat. You know, hopefully being a fellow Canadian, he'll uh, he'll help you out. I kind of tried to do, he tried to walk me through it, and I'm not as good, be, to be honest, doing some of those little things. 
but he had a cool way to take a boat gauge basically and can you know use the guts of it to make it from the am I saying this right the amp meter the amp gauge amp meter into the voltmeter so it actually you can't even tell yeah. it looks totally factory uh, so he's got a cool thing he does yeah. there you know what I mean yeah so yeah. good stuff and that there. way it keeps the dot the dash the dash all stock and everything looks good and then your gauges work and and so on and so forth so just trying to keep this as like clean as possible. Yeah, and we've said it before, public service announcement to anyone out there that has a 6465, you have kind of three options. You can either have the gauge rebuilt, you can send it to someone like Blair Farmer, you can message me, uh, Lincoln Addict, uh, podcast at gmail.com. I'll get you Blair's information now. It is a little bit of a beast to take it out. You can mail it. You can um, bypass it where you basically disconnect it. You hook the two wires together and you can solder. I mean, you could butt connect them, but I soldered mine with my buddy Paul soldered it or you can go with like decoded digital gauges but then uh you of course are losing that stock look so but uh that's important because all of that power that's coming off the battery that's coming in your main power wire i want to say it's maybe an eight gauge all that power comes in and goes through that gauge and uh, over time it kind of wears out and it can spark or it can it can ground out and it can cause a fire so we just like to remind people about that. That's what's been reinforced to me, so I try to kind of pass on the message. But, um, yeah, yeah, good, good very stuff. True. So, you know, you're out driving the car. You know, I think uh, you've been able to your, – your parents obviously enjoy it a little bit. Your kids enjoy it. Where are some of the places that you cruise to? Do you kind of stay within a vicinity, or do you sometimes venture out further? Um, pretty much you just stay within the greater vicinity of the city. Um, you know, we have some suburbs that I will, I will cruise out to that are, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes sort of out of the main core of the city. But right now, just, yeah, it's a lot of city cruising. Um, tonight there's a little meet at a local coffee shop. They're shooting the local news there. So there'll be a bunch of, a uh, bunch of cars there. I'll just roll by, have a coffee, bag her out and just chill. It's all about low and slow in the city. <laughs> yeah, that's uh slab sometimes is slang for slow, low and banging, you know. <laughs> um Yeah. <laughs> well, let me ask you this, because of where you live on that, you know, big island, do you, are are there other customized cars or is it like if you go to this little thing tonight, do you just have people swarm over? Are they just like wow? Yeah, there's a there's a lot. There's a big car culture here in Victoria. Basically, with the weather, um, you know, the the economics, um, just the, the people that live here, there's a lot of retired people that live here, and they've got a lot of hot rods. Um, every four years, we host uh, Deuce Days. So it's the largest collection of 32 Fords in North America. They arrive here, and it's like a, you know, a week-long event. It's it's epic. We have a huge car culture here. So like tonight, for instance, at the uh, coffee shop that's shooting the weather, I'm predicting 75 to 125 cars. Mm, damn. Yeah. It'll be, it'll be a good, it'll be a good turnout. And as far as Lincoln's, there's four 64s in the city that I know of. And I think there's only myself and uh, Brad are the only ones that have got ours on the road. <laughs> so Brad, he's 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 got a pretty he's got a pretty sweet sixty four that he cruises around into. So 
Yeah, now is I'm trying to think, is Brad um which Brad are we talking about? Are we talking about um is he one on Instagram? Yeah, Brad McKinnon. So oh yeah, his, yeah. Uh, R A Brad. His, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yep. So he's got a he's got a pretty he's got a pretty sweet little uh sixty four that he cruises around in. Yeah, it's R A underscore Brad. Really, really good dude. Love his car. Obviously it's laid out, white walls, looks awesome. Kind of been following his build through yeah. the uh, Lincoln Addict account. Yeah, good yeah. dude. Well, you got a little bit better of a uh, a ratio than Tony and I. We were uh, talking earlier, and we're going to do our third annual uh, Tampa Kennedy Cruise. The basically, we try to do it the weekend of when he originally was here in '63 before his uh, fateful trip to Dallas. And uh, Tony knows of about 20 cars within the greater Tampa Bay area. Some older guys, and believe it or not, man, this is something I got to give you credit for. But with these guys, they don't, they basically go, nah, I really don't want to take my car out, or, ah, you know, I haven't got, you know, three, four years, they haven't gotten around to doing much. And I know, like, obviously, everybody's in a different place in their life. But the thing I've got to tip my cap to you, Frank, is you get out there, you cruise your car, you know, whether it's just you and your family or maybe a homie that meets up. And you guys go and enjoy it. Um, as much as like sometimes I don't have a lot of time to maybe go cruise. If I do get in the car and crank it up and drive it around, it's man, it, it just brings a smile to your face. It does. It does. And and you know, and and everybody's entitled to to why they don't want to drive it. They want to save it. They want to save it for special occasion. But I don't know, man. These cars are meant to be driven. Any, mm-hmm. any classics meant to be driven and, you know what I mean, you spend all that money, time investing in these cars, drive it. Oh, yeah. Drive it. Drive it to the coffee shop. You know, get out. Go for, go for a beer. Like, just drive them. Yeah, there's, the, there's an old saying. Yeah, there's an old saying that when the cars were, you know, named the Continental, you know, some people, and this is probably just one of those stories that's been passed on, but they wanted to be able to say, hey, drive it from, you know, uh, you one end of the continent to the other and, uh, you know, with the guy, like yeah. I said, from the LCOC, like, kudos to him. I mean, he drives his sedan with his wife all over the country. And um, he yeah. he ran into, I forget what it was, he had told me he ran into a challenge. And, you know, some people were like, well, what do you do if you break down or whatever? And, and he had literally had kind of broke down. He had an issue. And he wasn't too far from Lincoln Land because he was in Florida by then. And he was able to, he's like, man, just bought a part and fixed it, you know. That's the old school way. And. Sometimes even me, I'll be totally honest, I almost forget that because I, I always said I wanted to be able to build my car that if I want to drive to Orlando or St. Cloud or, you know, even Miami, you know, God, a four-hour drive, you know, having the confidence to be able to get in, do all the right maintenance and drive down without having to feel like I got to put it on a trailer, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it's like, like you said, they're made to be driven. They, they really are, you know what I mean? And, and like, you know, Roberto down at uh, the guy with the ratties, the ratties. down in, uh, in California. Mm-hmm. Dude, I watch those guys. They just cruise all the time, and it's just like it's such an inspiration. And it's like it's just great to see these guys, you know, rolling in their cars. Yeah, one one thousand percent. And you know, we we got to give a lot of credit to those guys because you know, even Tony and I talk about it. No matter which way you slice or dice it, there's some purists. There's uh, the John Cashmans. Uh, Jim Ayers and some of those guys, they all participate, and there's probably no bigger group of Lincolns, at least in my opinion, that are getting together. I know Texas goes pretty hard in the paint, 
But out the out there, man, those videos are putting together with the drone footage and some of the edits they do, just amazing. And, and it's cool that we recently had them on. So everybody go on Instagram and type in the Raddies R A T T Y S. Very good people, man. Very good. Yeah, very very good people. Yeah, it's my goal. It's my goal, Jay, is to uh, you know one day just you know grab the family and just take my time and cruise down to California and hook up with those guys down there. Maybe hit some, uh, what is it, PCH, Pacific Coast Highway? Yep. Do that old, old, low and slow highway. Just take my time. Yep. Right along the water. Yeah, man. Just uh, a little bit of luggage in that big old trunk of yours and just, you know, maybe put some Johnny Cash on or something, man, and just roll. Exactly. Exactly. Well, uh, I got a chance to visit Astoria last July, the very end of July. I went up there for a truck show, and uh, I had before we started recording, I had mentioned to you that I kind of went on that adventure myself, flew up there, drove a rental over to Astoria, had never been to that area of at least the U.S., and it's just, man, so beautiful. So I tell people, man, if you got dreams or there's things you want to do, you know, we're not getting any younger, uh, you know, set those goals, whether it be this year, next year, five years, and, and you guys can attain those, you know what I mean? Yeah. So good stuff. Yeah. Um, is there anything else that you have kind of planned for the car other than enjoy it? You know, you kind of mentioned maybe a couple little upgrades here and there, but anything else that we might be missing that you wanted to hit on? Yeah, so besides the upgrades, you know, um, expensive to paint cars up here, especially these classic cars. So, um, you know, she's got a little bubble on one quarter panel, which is pretty common for these cars. Um, other than that, she's, you know, no, uh, no action. She's straight as an arrow. But I would love to, um, I'd love to paint her back to the original, you know, sort of blue gray that it used to be. And, um, yeah, that's just, it's just cosmetic stuff that's just going to take time to do and find the right, uh, right shop to get her painted. Yeah, definitely, man. And I tell you, until then, you're going to have a lot of fun. It looks like a great cruiser. Get the family. Um, in there as well, uh, enjoying it. And why don't you, uh, you want to give any shout outs to your daughter, your dad, anyone else, uh, you know, why you're here, man? Well, you know, obviously it's, it's gonna, you know, go without saying, I'm really lucky that dad kept this car and I, and I'm super happy that, uh, we get that, that time, just him and I just to go cruising. Um, as you know, today we were talking, I took mom out for a little, little cruise. She, She's not so much into the old classic car, but every once in a while she likes to get out for a bit. Um, grateful my daughter's interested in this thing, you know. Um, yeah, and I'm really, really, like, I give a huge shout-out to this Lincoln community. You know, I wish I knew you guys before I started to restore this car because, you know, the information you guys share, the family, it's it's a true family, this Lincoln community. And, um you know, if you guys have got a Lincoln, you want to restore, you got a Lincoln, you got questions, don't ever hesitate. Just reach out, you know, contact anybody who's on Instagram or like any of these forums that, that Jay's got up. It's it's a great community we got. It is, and I've learned a lot. Luckily, you know, locally we're kind of uh, in this great area and clear, you know, outside of Clearwater, but you've got uh, Lincoln Land, Inc., Great people, Chris Dunn and, and his organization. You got Blair Farmer, a wonderful mechanic. Um, you know, you you have old Lincoln parts here as well. So we kind of got the bright Bermuda Triangle, the LincolnForum.net kind of uh, 
something that, you know, as uh, John Lyman said prior, you know, kind of the LCOC's main kind of hub in terms of sharing content and stuff. Obviously, forums have, have somewhat dived off a little bit just because, you know, with, with Facebook, there's a lot of people. There's a Suicide Slabs. There's a couple Lincoln groups. Of course, our Lincoln Addict group as well. But um, it's it's a big community. I know Nathan Wilson's doing a lot on YouTube, and uh, we're all trying to kind of just help each other out as much as we can. So uh, thanks for saying that. But, uh, Frank, dude, it's been awesome kind of link it up with you to talk a little bit about where you're from, uh, maybe where you're going with the 64 and, uh, man, was there anything else you wanted to share? Any shout-outs you wanted to give? Uh, no, I'm good. I Big shout-out to you, Jay. Thanks for uh, thanks for your support. Thanks for having me on uh, on the show today. Yeah, no problem. And, uh, t- and to your dad, your mom, your wife, your daughter, dude, you guys just stay on the rise and just keep doing what you're doing, man. Thank you. Yeah, stay tuned for more posts as we, uh, we go for a cruise tonight. Yeah, man, I can't wait to see the photos, and we'll be sharing this pretty soon. So, uh, thanks again, Frank Sony from uh, Victoria, uh, Canada, up in that area. So check it out on Google Maps if you want to get a visual. And uh, stay on the rise, my friend. Thanks, brother.